guess is there such thing as a number called zero and a half because this is going to be our session zero and a half mm -hmm. uh, okay there is okay fantastic so for everyone welcome to our latest episode of continuing conversations since uh we did our session zero originally uh we've all been salivating for this episode uh that to, to film we haven't stopped talking about it i think it was about two months ago um, i'm michael dismuke i am a freelance writer for star trek adventures rpg and also one of the bloggers on continuing mission and i uh let's go ahead and introduce everyone and then we're going to jump right into an amazing session zero and a half al why don't you start we're going al spader um i'm a freelance writer for star trek adventures excited to do this all right ella uh yeah i'm ella lifelong star trek fan um I, I do a podcast, not a Star Trek podcast, and then I do another podcast that's only a Star Trek podcast. Um, so yeah, a little bit of background. We'll drop the names. I mean, shameless. <laughs> I, I figured that I would name drop at the end. I figured okay. that the, the shameless plug came at the end, but I, so I'll save it for that. Okay, fantastic. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll talk to you later about uh, marketing and about frequency and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> help out, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on that on another episode. Uh, and finally, Jim Johnson, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, Jim Johnson, science fiction and fantasy writer, uh, currently the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG published by Modifius Entertainment. All right, so I'm going to catch everyone up in case you never saw the first episode, which this springboards off of um, months ago, we said, hey, you know, people were curious about what a session zero looks like. We talk about in the Game Master's Guide that came out last year in 2021. Um, and we talked about how to conduct a session zero. And what this means is, you know, you just don't grab a bunch of people and just start playing a, a Star Trek Adventures module normally. Normally what you do is you all get together and kind of build, do a little world building and talk about what it looks like, who your characters are, persons, places, things that are going to be involved in the story but we had such a good time with it last time it created such fun characters that ever since that episode we've all been talking about like oh man when are we actually going to play when are we going to do something uh so finally we decided you know what we need to do a little bit more world building because last time we did our characters uh, but we didn't do a ship we didn't talk about really what the story is going to be in depth um and so that's why we're here this is session zero and a half um, because we've committed to actually playing this crew because we came up with such cool ideas. So I thought as a refresher, the first thing we could do is kind of run through the characters we had kind of created last time. Um, and, and again, these are not set in stone yet. This is a session zero. So as we play and talk today, we may make some tweaks to give you an example of how session zero works. So why don't we get started with Jim this time? Why don't you tell us a little bit about where we left off with your character last time? Uh, it, it was kind of in flux a little bit because I know that both Al and I have been talking about maybe playing Andorians and uh, we were kind of uh, uncertain as to whether we wanted to keep that dynamic and give them kind of like the, the, that kind of connection or if we wanted to change it up a bit. I, I mentioned near the end of that last session that uh, I was super flexible and I would want to play something that was complementary to the rest of the group and that I would change it if, if appropriate. Um, at the time I was leaning toward playing the first officer uh, who could be kind of a um, 
um, a, a mentor to, to some of the younger um, officers on the ship, but also just, uh, you know, just be that kind of character. And uh, I'm still generally in, in uh, not in love, but I'm in interest slash excitement for that type of character. I think I could barely easily play uh, an Andorian or an Afrosian and have that same basic kind of character concept. So I'm, I'm flexible either way. Because I, what I kind of, the more I thought about it, the less I'm really excited about uh, doubling up on a, on a species for one of the key player characters. So like Al, if you decide to go for an Andorian, I'm happy to be an Afrosian. It won't affect my character at all. Like I'm, I don't have any ego here. I just want to play a cool character with a cool, cool group of people. Um, and then, you know, as far as XO or Captain, I think one of the conversation pieces that we should have is like, do we want, you know, Michael, since you're going to be the game master, do you want a player character captain? Do you want an NPC captain? Do you not have a preference? And then what do the rest of the players want? Do you prefer having a, a captain being the a player character or would you rather have an NPC? Like I'm flexible there too, but I just wanted to uh, generally open that up to uh, to discussion. Okay, yeah, I haven't decided yet. Want to flesh this out a little bit more. Can yeah. you give us an idea of uh, where your character was leaning in the way of focuses and uh, career track? Do you have that there? Uh, I don't have it handy. I think if he was in an Afrosian, he probably would have started as a uh, uh, a helm officer and then worked his way up into the ranks. Probably, if I remember the build I did, um, I was experimenting with. I think he was primarily security track and then went from security into command. Um, but given the the thought process that we've been having about putting this on an Oberth with a science heavy focus, um, I could very easily shift him uh, over to uh, having had like a um, a, a piloting and then a science background and then up into command. I mean, there's a couple of, I mean, it's so flexible, right? Okay, um, cool. But I want to so show I, people what an Afrosian looks like, by the way, just in case yeah. they don't know. Here's an Afrosian. Yeah, there you go. They look like we, we remember them from Undiscovered Country, President yep. of the United Federation of Planets. So, okay. Yeah, good visual cue. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice job. All right. Yeah. All right, cool. So that, that's where we're at. Jim's uh, got some flexibility there. Interested in playing an Afrosian. And and just so everyone knows, why why an Afrosian, Jim? What, what appealed to you about that as a possibility? Uh, well, you know, ever since, and actually I think the first Afrosian came out in Star Trek IV. I think there was a, I think there was a, a Afrosian on the bridge of one of the ships that got zapped by the whale probe. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought the look was really cool. Just the long white hair and the mustachios. And um, it's a species that we don't really know a lot about. And that excites me because that gives me a chance to do some world building and to like really kind of dig into the character and come up with some cool stuff that's related to canon uh, and even some of the stuff that we kind of threw together into the Beta Quadrant book. Um, so the, 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 the fact that it's cool, a cool character, looking character that, that I appreciated both in Star Trek Three and Star Trek, or I'm sorry, Star Trek Four and Star Trek VI. Um, you know, cool look. Um, lots of open space for development of the of the species and the world and all that world building stuff that I love to do in uh, in fiction and gaming. So I think those were the big the big pushes. The reason I like asking that as a game master is because I'm like, okay, okay, we're gonna have to do some backstories and, mm-hmm. and let the viewers learn more about the Afrosians through this game. So that's yep. exciting to hear. Cool. All right, Ella, where have we left off with your character? We uh like went through the whole uh, character building sheet last time and ended up with a, a Vulcan from a frontier colony um, who loves being in the Federation, loves being in Starfleet. Um, and I had like a, a piloting focus, but was much better with small crafts, 
coming from a smaller colony. So yeah, that's pretty much, I think, where we landed. Okay, fantastic. And do you have the character sheet with you still? With, with I do, uh, yeah. You do? Okay, what were the focuses? Just read through them real quick because I like using that to frame. Uh, the focuses were small craft, helm operations, diplomacy, lead by example, Starfleet protocol, and crochet. <laughs> awesome. Love crochet. That. I love everything. We'll awesome. talk more about folks. I love detailed focuses. Um, and then what about, um, did, had you created values at that point? Yeah, we have uh, loyalty to the Federation, use my environment to my advantage, more confident on small vessels and trust in my crew for her values. Oh, love that. Okay, so that's giving me, I mean, this is someone who is Starfleet 101, cut straight from the red cloth. So that is really cool. Okay, good. All right, and I'm saying red cloth because we'll talk about what era I think we're going to end up. <laughs> Nicely done. That was, that was subtle. I like it. All right. Al, catch us up on where we left. Uh, with your character? Uh, so initially I was going through the design process with an Andorian um, who maybe wasn't a member of Starfleet. I was thinking that maybe he was, um, like he designed space frames essentially. Um, and that, and he was an engineer coming out on the ship um, that maybe he helped build or he helped upgrade or whatever um, to see uh, how his baby was working. Um, that was the initial plan. Um, set, at that time, I knew that Kelpians were coming, uh, but I couldn't make a Kelpian. So uh, I think that I would like prefer to shift to um, that type of species. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to talk about Kelpians a bit more. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be a big possibility because of the time frame that we're talking about, okay? And um, it, even if we switch from Andorian to Kelpian, would you keep basically the same focuses you think that you rolled up last time? I mean, I'm flexible based off of what everybody else rolls with. Um, I think that there are some cool Kelpian stories that can be told um, with their war with the Ba'ul, um, moving past discovery uh, timeline. Um, so I could, probably weave something in from that um, into any path that we needed. Okay, cool. All right. So so what I'm going to do real quick is just an era check here, because I think that's going to be really important to us developing these characters is knowing what era we're working in. Um, because I think based off last conversation where we're leaning, I just want to confirm it um, before we, we run down this road. So we have um, pretty much talked last time with this group. I'm going to exclude a couple other people who would come in and talk about their favorite era because they're not here. So they, they don't get a voice. They don't, they don't get to choose. All right. But based off, I remember speaking to the three of you is that you were kind of interested in the movie era or post movie era. Um, is that still where we're leaning here? Uh, yeah, I'm good with it. Yeah. Does that work? Now, I know, Ella, did you have a, I can't remember exactly what era was your preference. I know you loved Vulcans and you loved Spock and you wanted the opportunity to maybe meet Spock, right? I mean, that'd be great. I don't know if I could handle it in real life, but yeah, if, if Tapella met Spock, that'd be cool. But yeah, I think I'm, I don't know if I really landed on like an era that I would prefer. Cause I've, like we talked about last time, I've never played any role-playing games. So I feel like I'd be good with pretty much anything. I, I do think it'd be fun to play a Vulcan. Okay, okay. So I am going to place us 
late movie era, then at this point, I'm going to place us post Kidmer Accords. Um, and I'm to make it exciting and so that you don't have to worry too much about canon. I think we're going to put us on the far edges of a front near a frontier colony, which which leans toward Ella's characters. To, what's her name? To Paul? No, not to Paul. To Pella. Tapella, that's right. That's right. Ella, Ella, Tapella. <laughs> I can't remember this now. Kind of like your name. All right, cool. Um, that's what my dad said when I was a kid. My dad was like, oh, your Vulcan name would be Tapella. So okay. I went with that. Okay. okay, so I can remember that. And then everyone can see behind me, I have this ship here, which is called an Oberth class ship. Okay. Many of you may remember it got blown to bits in Search for Spock. <laughs> it was really sad. Um, this this ship here, but how are you all feeling about the O Birth class? And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, give me a thumbs up if we all would be good on an O Birth class ship. Okay, good. Jim, why don't you talk to us? And and Al, if you have stuff to follow up, Jim, why the O Birth class? What's what's the reputation of the O Birth with Star? Well, I mean, you know, the the reputation is so limited because the only one we really see on screen gets blown up by uh, by Cruise in, in uh, Star Trek Three. And it uh, doesn't put up much of a fight, obviously, because it's not meant to. Meant to. Uh, interestingly, the the ones we see in later episodes, like in Next Gen and DS9 and so forth, apparently Starfleet took that class and scaled it up and called it like a Sagan, Sagan class or something, uh, which I thought was interesting. But um, I just think, I mean, I know you and I were joking about this off offline, and we were like, oh, let's let's do a campaign that kind of rehabilitates the Oberth class and actually presents it as a as a meaningful, you know, contribution to Starfleet, and it's a, it actually did a good job, and it, did, it, it played an important role, and it wasn't just a, you know, a chump ship that got uh, got blown up, and you never see it again. Yeah, there's the Tchaikovsky. Um, so yeah, I think um, it's an interesting challenge, um, and this is part of the reason, like, why I'm why I'm vacillating between captain or first officer, because like to be the captain of this thing, like I, I think about. Um, uh, uh, J.T. Esteban in Star Trek Three, right? He's he's a captain, right? And and like the bird of prey shows up, and he's completely out of his element. Yes. And it's like, and he had to he had to think creatively, like, how in the world am I going to get out of this? And of course, he didn't, which was unfortunate for him. But um, it's just like it, it, it said, just, target only the engines. Yeah, <laughs> but I just I love the idea of of being uh, you know responsible for this little ship and crew, but still being presented with all the big Star Trek stories that you could be presented with and you have a different pool of resources than you would normally expect. Like, you know, you don't have the resources of a galaxy class or even a constitution class or even the Voyager or whatever, right? You've got, you know, 60, 70 people on your ship and you're primarily focused on science exploration. You, you might have a couple of dinky phaser banks, no torpedoes, probably. I mean, depending on how you load it out, but it's like, okay. And, and what I love about that for, as both a game master and a player is that it presents different story challenges, right? Because you you have to get more creative. You can't just blast your way out of a situation. You really got to be creative, right? And I just I'm excited at the the creative challenge of it more than anything else. I think. Well, let's talk about. It. We know that the ship is a character in Star Trek, so I think all of us have to kind of infuse our ideas about this ship. Looking at, and I'm looking at this ship, you know, and as you said, when you look at the write ups online, there's usually only sixty to seventy. People, so this is like a small office group. If you think about it, you're going to see these people a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like being on a galaxy class ship with 1,500 people. Um, th this is these are your coworkers, and there's already only six divisions on a ship, right? We have command, yeah. con, science, security, 
engineering and uh, medicine. So, so basically you're gonna be really close with your coworkers, some mm-hmm. divisions having more than others. So, so let's kind of talk through it. I'm gonna, Ella, you know, since you're newest to, to um, RPG, when you look at the ship, what do you think is going on with the design and all that? Don't know. Like, I I don't know if I've seen a picture of the Tchaikovsky before, actually. So I'm like, why? So we got the saucer, love, but what's underneath? Don't know. Mm, good. That's we should cool talk about different. That. All right. Let's talk about it. Al, do you know what that big lumpy thing underneath is? It's not a kayak. Do you know what that is? I mean, I'm assuming that it must uh, hold some type of sensor arrays down there. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so, so according to different Star Trek, uh, you know, when you look, when, when you look online, it is a survey type ship, it leans more toward long range surveying. Of course, the purpose of survey ships are basically to scout the land and anomalies and planets before the big ships come, you know, and, and do their, do their duty. Uh, uh, Jim, what do you think about that big kayak down there? (laughs) What's your take on it? Sensor suites, anything additional? I was, I was, uh, I was, I was hitting the internet while you were, uh, while you were talking. <laughs> there, there's so many, uh, you know, of course this is the, this is one of the fun, fun things about fandom is especially with these, uh, these older legacy series um, type things is there's so many interpretations of the ship. There's so many deck plans. Mm-hmm. There's so many um, things out there that are possible. And you know, what the great thing is of course about Star Trek is that they could all be true, right? right. Because you, you figure a- any given block of starships that leave space dock, and then are off, sent off into the field and then are adapted by their engineering teams uh, with flexible bulkheads and fl- mm-hmm. flexible mission parameters and loadouts and stuff. Like any, any two O-Birth class ships could be extremely different on the inside, which means that all those different deck plans that are out there on the internet could all be, all be equally valid. And, you know, I'm sure there's a subset of fandom out there that are like twitching right now that that's not right. <laughs> but, okay, but I want to say you know, to your point, if you yeah. look at your, you know, this is where my mind goes when I see art. And, and so we can all play this game in a sense. We can see there's this little seam here in this, you know, pod. We'll call this a, a sensor pod for now. But why couldn't that be separated down and all of a sudden uh, a supply or evacuation of medical supply boat comes in and then connects to that along the scene. Maybe it is interchangeable for different missions. Um, mm-hmm. So this is where we get to play an RPG and say, hey, wow, sometimes we could actually change by mission, you know, go to yeah. the star base, switch out the boat, different types of sensors, different medical supplies, maybe even evacuation, maybe it has additional, uh, uh, you know, quarters if necessary. So that's where our magic, our imagination can go when we look at a ship like this, which is super cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, such all this flat area there i kind of look at that any ideas from anybody about that and this is where my mind goes when i'm creating the ship as a character um just so you know anything what that might really represent a couple ideas before we go back to talking about our missions what the the flat area behind the um yeah it's so flat it reminds me a lot of voyager the backside on voyager where you where you're docking shuttles you know, it kind of oh, has right. that similar feel, but these look like probably sensor pads, like what you would consider the dorsal, you know, maybe a dorsal sensor array, but I don't know, maybe, you know, I, I just like, I like thinking like this so that when you know I'm blowing up, up stuff on your ship, you pretty know, what, know what's blowing up where, you know, so uh-huh. any ideas? I like to hear imagination, you know, your ideas on this. Al, what about you? Uh, how, how thick is that, do we think? 
Well, let's take a look, right? Uh, there's some other pictures of it. So let me grab a couple other old birth from the rear. There you maybe, go. Maybe one or two decks, it looks like. Yeah. This is a pretty small ship. It does yeah. look like maybe a torpedo, a torpedo launchers there in the back. Maybe. Right here at the red yeah. spot or these right here? Right above that. Yeah. I mean, the red is probably the impulse drive, right? Yeah. Yes, they have a shuttle bay. That's for sure. We see that on schematics, right, Jim? Yeah, it's in I the front. It's that. Uh, it's that. Um, if you look at the that other view you had earlier, um, it's in the shuttle bay's in the front. That that little gap down there on the front. Yeah, right there. It's a forward like shuttle bay. bay. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so I like us looking at the specs. Any 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 other ideas on that, Ella? You're smiling. Why why that? You're just having fun looking at the ship, or? Yeah, I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're geeking out. That's what's happening. <laughs> we're getting yeah. into the weeds on the ship. Yeah, this, uh, is, you, this is how you do. Yeah, everyone's about to move in, right? The, you, this is going to be the place people are living for five years at least. And if yeah. you do really good, you get two extra seasons of show. So so it's it's good to know where where everything is, especially when we're playing the game and talking about okay, cutscene to shuttle bay. You know, you're not at the back of the ship like on Enterprise. You're at the front of the ship. Just to yeah. me, actually, really cool. All right. Yeah, and that's and that's important for the for the listeners and the in the in the viewers that 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 you know this session or this uh, session zero point five we're we're building our characters home basically right like you said Michael we're gonna theoretically these characters are gonna be on the ship for many many years and in in order for me personally at least in order to more effectively role play my character it helps to have them grounded in their setting and this is our setting right I mean we may be going to planet to planet into environment to environment every session or every episode or whatever but the the big consistent thing is going to be our home amongst the stars which is our ship and that's why it's worth it to go into some level of detail into what makes it tick especially because this ship isn't well isn't well represented on on film right i mean when you've got the the constitution class or the galaxy class or the intrepid class you've got some you've got some footage that you can work with there, right? I mean, there's so much content on screen that you can go look at, but if you want to, if you want content about the Oberth, you're pretty much limited to one movie. <laughs> yeah. So. so let's talk before we finish off our characters, because really I feel that it's important to talk about the ship and the mission profile mm -hmm. because then the characters are moving into the ship because Starfleet would have said, well, you, you're selected for this crew for a particular reason. That's why I really think it's important to build that home first, right? Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about what the mission profile might be. We, we can all go around and take turns because remember, a ship can have multiple missions. Um, on Discovery, they have 300 different science experiments going on at any given time, according to yeah. the show. <laughs> so, so don't think that it has to, we all have to agree on the same um, thing that's going on on the ship because that's where the stories will take us the more the better actually for a game master so let's start with you al what's one of the things that's probably going on on this ship um well we i think we determined that the ship would probably be attached to some base of some sort whether it was a star base or whether it was an outpost on a planet side um so i'm assuming that there probably is some type of research happening there um that this ship is going to be essential for like maybe they're um, researching an anomaly or something like that that's nearby or or something like that. So I think scientific operations is going to be um, like the biggest thing, like lots of sensors type stuff, um, maybe a bit of engineering. Um, and I think if we end up going that route, I think that's where we should focus. Okay, good. I know that was interesting of you because you want your character to actually be not a commissioned Starfleet officer. You want them to be a maybe a civilian science specialist, correct? 
mm. or, or engineer or something. Yeah. Okay, cool. So maybe that that's a big deal to them is making sure that they get the priority because they're on a research search project. So that could create some cool conflict. Um, what about you, Ella? What's something that may be going on on this ship? Um, I'm not sure. I guess I, for like role-playing games, I guess I'd always been like, oh, the whoever's, you know, the DM is going to like create everything. And then I show up. So it's like exciting to like work together to like, I don't know, figure out what we want. I don't know. I guess I really, I hadn't thought that much farther than like outside my character. So for my character, I was like, oh, I'm excited that we're on like a smaller vessel because like she'll feel more confident with less people. Um, I don't know. You know, it's exciting. I I wish I had better ideas. No, no, actually that's not a, that's not a bad idea. And the reason why is because now that you said she's comfortable, not with that many people, I'm encouraged as a game master to really create some in your face, supporting characters, uh, NPCs to kind of be like, I didn't come on here to party, you know? So, so whatever that is, I'm actually, I think that we might be able to use your character to get to know the other characters. Mm. And kind Definitely. of well, and she's an she's an ensign too. I had her rank as ensign, so I feel like maybe this is like her, maybe this is her first assignment a, a, after like being a cadet. Yeah. Very exciting. Okay, okay. So I could see I'm I'm seeing how I would probably put you on a lot of those cool beast stories, especially if your character will decide later. You let us know if if they're a little standoffish. This might be a really fun way to be like you got you know you got to learn to trust your teammates and annoy me. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, well, right. I mean, especially if she's the if she's the primary pilot, um, she could be responsible for the shuttles on most of the on the uh, landing parties, way missions and stuff. Ooh. And that's a great opportunity to get to get a bunch of characters into a box, right? I mean, literally, that's a bunch of characters in a room going somewhere, right? All kinds of things can happen with that. Yeah, plus a Vulcan, you know, too. Vulcans aren't known as party animals, so she wants to be the reclusive. Best, yeah. She wants to she wants to be reclusive in really tight quarters. So that's yeah. always funny to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. yeah, and maybe it's like maybe her the colony she grew up on was all Vulcans. Like maybe she hasn't had that much experience like living with humans. She's not used to the smell yet. I love that. You know? <laughs> I love that too because of our time period. Yeah. I feel there wasn't as much integration. So it's possible that the three of you are the only non-non-humans. Did that sound right? <laughs> the only non-humans. No, non-humans, yeah. yeah non-humans. A non-non-human would be a human, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was highly illogical of me. Okay, yeah. so good. I like this, Elsie. You do have, a, you know, your character is going to enrich in a, a side of the ship that that we wouldn't have otherwise you mentioned if you did not mention that okay jim what about you what else is the ship up to uh you know i was thinking about this and uh, if we're is the idea that we're looking at late movie era so would this be after the original movie portion of generations so has the enterprise b gone off and done their thing and is kirk dead now like because he was presumed lost when the when the enterprise b hit the the nexus ribbon so and i know that star trek six was right in that same time period, like Star Trek six and then generations were, were right about that same time period, like 2293, 94, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. So are we, if we're after Kittimer, we're probably after both of those events, which is fine. Cause mm-hmm. what that means then is that the, the, the tensions are kind of cooling between the Klingons and the Federation, which is maybe why they're saying, okay, well, let's get back. Let's, let's go do more science. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my first impulse of course, was to go with the scientific, um profile um and then only because we've been uh, we've been crunching on that discovery book for the longest time 
I was thinking, oh, well, technical testbed would be kind of cool. Maybe we've got some sort of cool engineering gizmo built into our ship that we're testing in addition to whatever else is going on. And if I was playing an engineer Kelpian, maybe there's an angle there that maybe maybe the the engineering doohickey built into the ship is his is his character's baby, right? And he's kind of like responsible for that. And uh, so that's a possibility. Um, and then the other thought, and, and like I've always got always got crazy amounts of thoughts, was to play with the um, um, the 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 intelligence angle, right? The espionage and intelligence angle, where we've got a really powerful set of sensors. And yeah, we're we're friends with the Klingons now, but do we still entirely trust those Klingons? Are we going <laughs> to kind of like quietly set up some listening posts and observation posts, or or maybe just kind of like quietly passively keep an eye on them just maybe we're on the border and we're like want to just make sure things are copacetic and <laughs> i don't well, know so there, there's some angles there that i was playing with well i actually like that because i have a belief that after the kidmer accords not every klingon agreed with it i think there would have been some minor rebellions mm -hmm. throughout the empire um and this ship could be an early warning system to that like are people moving out of agreed routes and are people respecting I don't know if it's really the neutral zone anymore, but whatever the new colonies are being established, what's going on with that? There had to be assassination attempts on the new chancellor. You know, I just I just see all this happening um, after the movie era. So I think that's cool. One of the things you talked about technical test bed. So, yes, we know because of Al's character, we're probably going to lean there. But I also think it would be cool. My one addition to the ship is if it was the very first ship to test out L cars. And that's the that's the cool interface on TNG and Enterprise, which is so different than the buttons and diodes and switches. So it might be funny, some comedy relief, if we have a character, an NPC who's here because they have this new system called L cars and it's much more, it's it's way better. Uh, you know, it, it's more adaptive and you need to, and they're kind of pushing this new technology on people who've been doing stuff. Like, yeah. you know, if you're the captain, Jim, maybe you've been doing stuff 20 or 30 years, a certain way. Uh. And, <laughs> An L cars test bed might be fun uh, as part of this, right? That's funny. Yeah, they're they're, they're upgrading from like Windows three point one to Windows ninety five or something, and it's like ah, none of this is working. <laughs> I, I, I would compare it more to like PC to Mac. Okay, <laughs> like how do I close this window? Where's the X? You know that kind of stuff. What's this so, rainbow? What's this right. spinning rainbow thing? What is this? Yeah, get off my screen. <laughs> so I think it maybe makes some some funny complications because I think comedy. Yeah as a place in any Star Trek. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So I think we're getting a really good picture here. Any other ideas before we, we talk about one of my favorite things to talk about, and that's naming this ship? Well, let me uh, look real quick. I, I had some questions, uh, courtesy of Al, that we should think about with the Please. ship. And I, let me just see. I think we covered most of them. Mm -hmm. uh, we got what era are we playing in? How big do we want the crew to be? I think that's kind of dictated by the, by the class. Like we were thinking... 70 to 90 people it could be all starfleet it could be a mix of starfleet and civilians in fact you know if if, Al, if you're going with the civilian scientist it totally makes sense for there to be a contingent of science civilian scientists on the ship and like Al, i don't know if you thought about it but like theoretically there would be somebody in charge of those civilians right that right. could be like a sub scientific group on the ship right so maybe you're the the civilian leader of that group maybe yep. you're like the lead doctor or something um so we've got that kind of figured out uh, how specialized do we want the ship to be well we kind of talked about that with the uh with the space frame uh, uh what makes our ship unique like do, do, does our ship have any funky um idiosyncrasies 
or like weird things about the ship like you know does it uh does it rattle when it hits warp four i think the l cars in i think the test bed the l cars yeah that's pretty funny i was gonna say bugs in the l cars yeah i like that <laughs> yeah uh you know and then uh you know just uh, we'll have to think about uh what's our ship's backstory right like is this a brand new ship off the lot um and we're the first crew on it or has this ship been around for a while and we're the latest, um, you know, the latest crew to be in charge of it. I mean, let's talk about that. Let, yeah. Let's actually answer that question now. So sometimes, you know, I think about test bed ships. Mm -hmm. If they're not testing particularly the ship or the engines, it might be an old ship that was retrofitted. Ah, you, you, you can use this to test this minor experiment, which mm -hmm. could, again, be funny. But Al, since you're the one who's having this engineering lead, what do you what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, I think if this is an older ship that survived and it's probably uh, it was on its way to be decommissioned, um, but we want, we have to do these experiments. Why not give that to us? You know what I mean? Like, I think that makes sense. I think we could build a fun story like this ship has, you know, been a hospital ship in in the war and uh, and survived countless battles. But now it's, you know, been relegated to science experiments i like that and, and i did some research on l cars too is that the the inventor of the l cars interface is not mentioned in star trek so that gives us a good npc possibility here that is conflicting with your character al because they're running their experiments and you're trying to do these important engineering things the dicks the day you walk into engineering there's this new interface and it has nothing to do with the experiment you're working on so there could be some interesting um conflicts there um okay so we're so what do you think used ship let's see thumbs up thumbs down is this a used ship a, a well-loved ship yeah and in fact if we take the um if we take the the idea of the the l cars being new and that this is the ship that's test testing out the l cars maybe this is also an opportunity starfleet said well you know if we're going to test this new interface then let's test these new computer cores too so, so we got the new computer core kind of crammed into that into that boat underneath the underneath the saucer section there. So maybe they crammed in a new warp, a new computer core, you know, with the intention being like, in order to make Elcar, maybe Elcar, maybe the Elcar interface was built off of the the new the new um, generation processors, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking like, you know, we're we're getting the Pentium processor along with the new hard drive along with the new interface. But it doesn't integrate perfectly with the old style warp engine and computer and, and battery systems and whatever. So we're trying to so Starfleet's like, oh, let's let's use this old clunker to test this stuff. And we're gonna put it on the you know middle of nowhere because no one's gonna bother it. So they can just go out there and do their thing. Um, and so we've got you know old style engines, old style impulse drive, you know, a lot of old style batteries, but we got this brand new spanking hot um computer core with all the bells and whistles. And now we've got this badass new um, LCARS interface that mm -hmm. you know theoretically works out of the box, but it's got a ton of bugs. Um, I, I think you're making I think it very cool. simple for me to come up with complications. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're making my life super. And, and I think it gives a chance to really highlight how how intelligent your characters are yeah. in workarounds and and fixing system. Oh, mode. that's a good point. And, and so we, we could really have some really good chance to make your characters shine and show these are really the brightest of the brightest. You, they're, they're risking their lives doing this. What seems like a simple test. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're feeling it. What, were there any other questions? Um, how are you feeling so far? Let me do a check-in. Ella, how are you feeling about this so far? 
Yeah, that's almost exactly what I was going to say about the L cars too. I was going to be like, oh, they just tried it out on this old ship. Doesn't matter. Let's just try it there first. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I like the idea of like the, that the ship is older. It's like, you know, when somebody has like, when you, like when you go to college and you get sent off with like the, the crappy car that nobody wants, like one of the doors doesn't open and one of the windows is always cracked and that's just how it is. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And then it'd be super that. fun. You get, you get in that like 57 Buick and it has like a modern stereo in it. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> I hate it that. It gets six miles to the gallon. Yeah. But you put in, you, you base boosted the, the stereo system. <laughs> you put in Bluetooth. Yeah, it's, you got the old clunker and you got the boop, boop, uh, the, the wireless uh, remote and stuff. It's like, wait, wait, why, why, why would you do that? Okay, so Jim, I have to ask, see, this is forming really good now. Jim, how is the captain, I'm going to put you in the captain's chair for a second. How's the captain feeling about this assignment at this point? Uh, well, so, so my thought, whether, whether I play the captain or not, whatever, um, I like I like the idea that the captain has been with the ship for a long time, right? So this ship's been around forever. The captain's been with the ship forever and maybe for whatever reason has been passed up for promotion to something bigger and better. Um, or maybe the captain's just decided, you know what, screw you, Starfleet. I'm going to just stick with this ship to the very bitter end. And I want, and maybe, maybe he or she, whoever the captain is, is, is so technically inclined that like maybe they were the best choice to test out all this new hardware, right? Maybe maybe they were like uh, Starfleet was like, oh, let's let's give this captain the the new interface, the new computer core, et cetera, et cetera, because we know he'll do well by it, or she will do well by it. Uh, but maybe maybe he he also knows that the Starfleet is like, okay, once this test is done, we're commissioning your ship and 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 you know tearing it down for scrap or or whatever they do, send it to the museum in the sky, and and maybe the captain's got a ship on his shoulder. He's like, maybe I don't want them to to cashier this ship, right? I'll do my testing. I'll do you know do well by Starfleet by testing and stuff. But maybe he's going to fight for that uh, for that old Oberth and uh, and do it you know do it honor or something. So I, I can see some angles there to play with you know, whoever the captain ends up being, whether it's an NPC or uh, or my character. So uh, there's some possibilities there, I think. But I like the idea that um, um, it, it's a it's an old story, right? Of the uh, the old, the old grizzled ship and and or captain not ready to be put out to pasture, and uh, and fights that uh, to the very end in you know whatever format that 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 takes. Sounds fun. That sounds super fun. What was another question on that list, uh, Jim, that you had? Uh, I think we covered them. Let me do it all. Look at Al. Did you have any input at this point in the direction we're heading? Um, I was just thinking that if I do end up going the Kelpian route and we do an engineer slash scientist, um, maybe there's some type of bowel technology that we're trying to integrate, um, you know, because these are new, highly technological um, people that roughly has recently gotten a hold of their stuff and has started to backward design it. Um, it could be something like that, too, that uh, we're testing as well. Can you remind me what was it? What was was there anything special about the bowel technology that Starfleet felt that they were behind in, or anything? I, I, uh, I mean, it, it, not out in the open, but there was very little about the bowel that you actually got to see. Um, you got to see a giant city fl like float up out of the ocean. Um, you had the uh, the falling pylons, and that was and and 
some of their shuttles and ships and whatnot. That was really about it. It's really undefined at this point. So that's some pretty impressive engineering technology to get a city to float out of a planet. So is that the type of engineering project you're working on? Is this Oberth able to go in atmosphere? No, potentially we could we could go that route. I mean, if we want to just stick with the new computer systems and L cars, that that could work as well. Um, but if we wanted to be testing other things, there's lots of ideas out there. Yeah, I, I think I would look for your character to have their own engineering project. And the L cars, I think, will be funnier as an NPC project. Because okay. I want to have that opportunity to create conflict. Um, so I would really be looking for you to develop what that engineering project is, if it's integrating vowel technology or something else. I, I just, the, the, this is all great. I, I just had a random idea. Um, hit me from my my days in government contracting is like yeah I, 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 I'm loving the idea like here's this ship that they're like oh let's put the new computer core in there let's put the new interface in there let's put all this new crap in there and to test it and it's like like if you talk about scope creep right like here's this project and it's just getting completely out of hand you know what if one of the intelligence operations in Starfleet not necessarily section 31 but like if one of the intelligence operations and this ties into the idea of maybe we're also kind of like doing some test bed intel deep space intel on the klingons maybe they're like hey we've got this awesome new sensor package that does deep space re deep space recon let's let's cram that into that buoy underneath the ship and get that wired into the systems as well and so you know our engineers are like oh shit what are we gonna do with all this stuff and then you know the civilians too are like there's competing resources now right so whoever the operations manager is on the ship is like i've got all these competing priorities coming at me from left and right and when everything's important nothing's important right yep. and so the, the poor captain's like how am i going to deconflict de all this stuff where i got the starfleet people wanting their things and i got the civilians wanting the other things and i've got starfleet command you know breathing on breathing down my neck to get this stuff done so they can hurry up and decommission the ship uh i, I think I, al knows from our games that i love yeah. with, with hr issues on a ship <laughs> so, so i love hr so, so i i'm feeling this working out pretty well so far oh nice Okay. Yeah, that, cool. that, that operations officer would be an awesome character too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're going to be that. That's going to be interesting because I know how our BT person feels when people buy systems on contract without telling mm -hmm. BT that they're putting it into all the computers. So, mm -hmm. so I think we have some good real life opportunity to create some real life uh, drama here, which yeah. is really cool. All and, right. You know, the, the fun. The fun thing about Star Trek Adventures, right, is because we do have the capability of doing supporting characters. Like we could we could make that ops officer a supporting character and one of us could just drop into that role from yeah. time to time and you don't lose the opportunity to do those awesome hectic scenes of like you know al and everybody else fighting for those resources like oh what are we gonna do well i so, just see i mean i just to give you an example of the kind of scenes i see i just see like a new panel going in on deck four in a hallway a small new l cars panel that doesn't seem to have any correlation to anything and the minute they turn it on gravity's lost everyone just starts floating you know <laughs> it just seems like that to open up an episode uh, so um this will be fun it reminds me of lower decks a little yeah. bit you know yeah Right. We won't get too. We, I, I like comedy. We won't. I, I'm sure we won't push all the way to lower deck because I know we. I like some good drama. We have some really good RPGers here. So, mm -hmm. but th there'll be moments like that where, in the middle of drama, when something absurd happens, it creates even more uh, conflict. You know, mm -hmm. it happens in every Star Trek movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So with that, should we proceed and talk about names? How to name a ship? This is going to be really interesting. Ella, do you have any ideas of how to name a ship? 
I feel like it's always, um, I feel like, uh, you know, earth scientists, earth, like famous, I don't know, people who had an impact, not like celebrities. Uh, what's the, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Influential people, I feel like is always a good route to go down for naming a ship, you know? Good, yeah, a very common way, very common. One of the most common we see actually is that, exactly. Um, what about you, Al? What's your take on naming a ship? Any preferences or directions? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, some ships um, obviously have naming schemes, but I think um, I like doing famous people. I like referencing um, mythology. Uh, things like that, I think, are my favorite. Okay, Jim, how about you? Uh, yeah, I always, I always like to try to um, adhere to whatever convention you know the showrunners went with. And now, in the case of the Oberth, it's a little unclear what they were going with, yeah. it, it, other than just like good names. I, I mean, it seems like they kind of slanted more toward scientists and astronauts of Earth history, which you know is perfectly fine. We've got no shortage of. Uh, great examples of uh, uh, scientists here on, and astronauts here on Earth. But like I look at, uh, you know, Oberth, of course, and Chaffee and Gagarin and Armstrong. And uh, uh, yeah, so the, I mean, these are names. You know, Grissom, of course, was, you know, an astronaut. But so, um, you know, I would probably want to do some, you know, half-hearted research and just pull up a list of interesting scientists in Earth history that were specifically not American, right? I would love to do something more diverse, whether they're uh, African or European or Indian or Chinese or I mean, whatever. Just just to get something different in 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 here as, as far as the name goes. Um, so you know, pretty flexible. Uh, same thing that. with the, same thing with the registry number. Like uh, I think most of the Oberths were in the six hundred range. Um, I don't remember what the Grissom's number was, but uh, six three. Yeah. 638 okay yeah so if anyone's got any particular uh connection to a to a june date maybe <laughs> uh i don't i can't think of one off the top of my head but uh anyone's got a got a cool number we could do a three-digit number especially if we're june, going with juneteenth 619 619 <laughs> so, so you remember the number on it isn't that juneteenth is is june 19th oh yeah so it is i think it is yeah anyway yeah. throwing an idea out there yeah. Um, so, so, and I like the idea too. I just did, talking about what both um, what Jimmy you were talking about. Um, like in our game, we have a, gem, a, a ship called Jamshid Al Kashi, which is a, uh, an Arabic uh, astronomer from the 500s. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, they were key to figuring out things about planetary movement. And so we went with that in our game. So, so um, that's something, again, we don't have to answer right now, but it's good to hear all this because now offline, what we could do is just start throwing in names and Wikipedia mm -hmm. pages. Um, and then how you normally name shuttles is usually there's a convention to the shuttles too. They follow maybe rivers or moons of Titan, you know, something like that. Um, so whatever is chosen, we usually find some sort of subset to name yeah. the shuttles. And yeah. That, correct. Uh, yep, that sounds right. And if I remember right, based on the handful of uh, deck plans I looked at, I think the I think the Oberth class is the shuttle bay is big enough for four shuttles. Mm -hmm. So that's an important data point for us because if we know we have four shuttlecraft, then we can name the four shuttlecraft, and that'll influence uh, our um, our games, right? So if we get into a situation where we need shuttles, we know we only have a limited supply of them. And this is this is pre Voyager, right? So we don't have a 
industrial replicator. We don't have ways of building new shuttles. We would have to go to a, a base or a station or something and uh, fabricate uh, a new one or you know commission a new one. We couldn't just make one, <laughs> right? Because we don't have the resources. Uh, so so that's, that's a, useful, a useful data point. It's like we've got the Oberth, of course, and then we've got four shuttles. My guess, um, of course, this is late original series. So there's really only one kind of shuttle. It's not like next gen where they've got shuttle pods and shuttlecraft and eight or nine different versions of shuttlecraft. It's all still that type F shuttle that we saw in Star Trek V um, that yeah. they used to, to get onto the ship. So that kind of style, you know. I'll show you how my mind works. You know, the fact that you yeah. said that there's only four shuttles, I'm like, I'm thinking like, hmm, navigationally, the number four, I'm like, ooh, north, south, east, west. And so I went- That's exactly right what I thought. Okay, and so it could be like, each shuttle could be named north, south, east, or west. And then I was like, well, who invented the compass in the first place? And I looked online and it either was the Chinese Han Dynasty or the Tang Dynasty. So, you know, you could be the USS Han or the USS Tang or something, you know? So those are ideas that can be thrown out if you mix it with like the number four, right? Right, Ella? Oh. <laughs> Uh, so, so you're thinking the names would be north, south, east, and west? I've never been down. It's just an idea, you know. Just, right. just. Well, you know, maybe we could take, maybe we just tweak that a little bit. If we go with the Tang, the USS Tang, or the whatever dynasty you were just mentioning, maybe we, uh, maybe we translate north, south, east, and west into Chinese or or Mandarin or whatever, and and go with that. Instead. That was also what I was going to say. Ah, <laughs> look at that. Same page. Yeah. Okay, this is kind of cool, and of course, we're all loving. You know, Discovery had. Yeah. Shinzo, you know, so so I love the fact that they went with that name. So this is going good. Okay, okay. This is something offline. We'll do a little voting and talking about. Al, are you thinking? You look like you're researching there. Research Chinese scientists. <laughs> I was actually looking up Japanese computer engineers. Okay. Um, okay. If they were doing, uh, you know, the LCAR stuff and whatnot, and um, just seeing what's out there for names and who's done what. And, oh. Well, you know, if if we're gonna be if we're gonna be serious Star Trek geeks here, I think I think the first choice to name, uh, or, may, or maybe not the guy who developed the L cars, but that that poor ops officer who's gonna be responsible for it all, mm -hmm. maybe we name him him or her, or we name them Okuda, um, last name Okuda, you know, Lieutenant Okuda, whatever, because uh, Mike Okuda was the one responsible for for creating that uh, that interface design in the first place. Oh, really? It'd be a great homage to him to to drop that, drop his name in here somewhere. Whoa, and then if we went with North, South, East, West in Japanese, maybe? Okay, sure. we'll talk about that. Okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm loving you know, it. I just, I just love the, I love, I love the visual idea of the, of the sides of the shuttles, right? Having the name of the shuttle in that, in that, you know, in the, in the, in the shuttle. But then there's also the, the Japanese, um, what is it called? Uh, ideogram mm -hmm. of, of the name as well. So you got, you got the English and the Japanese on the, on the side of the ship. Um, together, this is a visual image that hit me, and now I need to commission somebody to do it. <laughs> I got to go find an artist who can make that because that would look that would look great. I think this is really cool. Anyway, I digress. No, 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 this is exactly what we do during a session zero. We talk about this, and usually someone walks away and is given this assignment. To, okay, bring it. Final vote. So I think that's really cool. All right, so good. So our ship has some personality. I, I almost feel like it's a person in itself already. Okay, which is really cool and super um, important, right? Because like, like yeah. you know, I mean, we know this for fifty-five years. The ship is easily one of the most important characters in the show. It's like the Star Trek wouldn't be Star Trek without the Enterprise, right? I mean, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy on some random ship is one thing, but they're on the Enterprise. It's a, it's almost a thing unto itself, uh, a being unto itself. And of course, when you have 
Scotty being the engineer who is so in love with his ship and Kirk is so in love with his ship. I mean, it really creates that interesting dynamic. So uh, this is exactly what we wanted to do, right? Is we wanted to build this ship as a living character unto itself. Right. Is, uh, and, then, and, and then what I do with my groups in, initially too, is once we have this story flushed out, I give little mini assignments to people to do things like name it or, or go into the Star Trek Adventures core rulebook and 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 pull out what are, what are the mission what are the ship profiles we need to accomplish what we talked about so so in review so far where we're at because I want to do one other surprise cool thing here is we we have an idea of our characters we have a really good idea of the ship actually better than the characters at this point and it seems like we're going to have to tailor our characters a little bit to match what's going on with the ship but I want to do a third thing. Because last time in our session zero, we talked about, are we playing a ship game or are we playing a colony game? Um, It came up with Ella's character as a French or colony. And so oftentimes you have these ships that are way out there. Not only are they connected to a star base, but they also might be given um, some some sort of uh, resource delivery route and check in on a local colony or Al's character could be also associated. That was their home base where they're, where they're, research started. So I want to do something real quick, and that's create um, a colony that the ship is loosely associated with, okay? Now, here's the game we're going to play with all of us. I'm going to take notes on it. Colonies, me and Jim had talked about this in one of our previous um, uh, continuing conversations. There's different organizations and different reasons people go to colonies. And myself and Jim had talked about something where, okay, maybe this colony is an agricultural society, just people who want to get away. And But in addition, there's a Vulcan science array nearby in orbit, so they hang out at the colony. And then it also happens to be a passing by for lots of Klingon ships. So there's a bar that's pretty rowdy, okay? And each one of those organizations gives me as a game master a potential for conflict to create personality. So, so let's, without naming the colony, just picture a colony and think about, What's going on on this particular colony? What do you think this colony is about? And I'm going to have each of you pick an organization, and I'll pick a fourth random one. So let's start with you, Jim, um, so they can kind of hear how you think about it. it. With this colony, what's one thing going on random at this colony? Um, you had a billion ideas last time we talked. <laughs> I know, but I'm trying to come up with a good one because <laughs> I, I was, we were, you and I were grabbing all the low hanging fruit, and it was, it was easy to to riff back and forth on that. Uh, so if it's, uh, I think the idea we had was that it, maybe, you know, if everybody agrees, maybe it's a, a planetary colony, but that Vulcan out thing is in, in orbit. Um, but what I, I what I, I was thinking is like maybe, maybe the co- the planet um, side base is uh they're trying to to build it up and expand it but they're using a mix of uh imported personnel and indigenous personnel and there's a chronic labor shortage so there's there's a there's a lot of push pull from the indigenous population and the the uh the interlopers coming in to build their base and there's some tension there about uh agreements and trade agreements and like do we really want you using our land that kind of stuff so so some potential for politics there but also just some potential for interesting stories between the locals and the and the and the the, the Starfleet folks coming like in. that. So we're, let me ask you a couple of questions. So this kind of a growth initiative going on with yeah. somebody who's really exciting to colonize, and then there's some indigenous. Can I ask you: Is the climate of this planet favorable to you to humanoids or not? Like, are they trying to expand a dome? Or are they just what are you envisioning with that? 
Um, well, you know, my first my first impulse would be go would be to make a class M just to or to make an M class just because that's the the standard conceit. Uh, but given that we are a RPG and we don't have to worry about budgets, um, I I love the idea of it being like a class uh, L class planet that like Mars maybe, and we need the domes and we need to build out. So I, I'm almost getting a uh, uh, what was that horrible movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Um, Photo development. No, no, no. Uh, wait, I, I, wait, total, total recall. Yeah, total recall. Where they're building all the big domes on Mars, and it's like a shanty town kind of thing, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So, I mean, we could go that route because if nothing else, that's more interesting, right? Okay. And, and there's more potential for conflict and more potential for complications. Okay, right? good. Yeah. So, so let's let's stick with that. Now we can still adapt it. I love that idea. Yeah. Class L planet domes expanding. That that of course the natives can exist in the class L happily. So they get a yep. right. So that makes some interesting comedy. We we don't like you break the dome. So this is really going good. Um, <laughs> <That's awkward>. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. so so now um, I'll pass it over to Al. And again, this can be completely different. It doesn't have to be correlated to the dome whatsoever. It could be a religious site. It could be a Ferengi. Well, Ferengis aren't really in here yet. But but where are you going, Al? Like what else is around this colony that makes it interesting? Um. I would say that uh, there that this colony is built upon uh, an ancient civilization who's uh, who's just been unearthed due to this this expansion, um, and so we have archaeologists from all different species coming in to in, investigate these sites and to help figure out what what happened there, what what happened before uh, these people showed up. Love it. And are these archaeologists associated with the Federation Archaeologists Division? or? Uh, I mean, some might be, some might not. Um, some might be trying to uh, be part of the Federation at some point. I mean, they could be, it could be a, a civilian group of uh, archaeologists, you know. I like this. I like this. I even see compete, people competing for digs, which is a, a pretty fascinating thing, especially if there's a hint of power behind the findings or something. Okay. Maybe even the local people have legends that lend to creatures of power or something. So, okay. 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 Ella, <laughs> what about you? What's, I guess what's I'm curious, like, well, I'm curious, like, why like, did the Native people there initially give permission for, like, excavation to begin on the site? And then once they realized, like, that that it was actually something, like you said, like a legend or like a myth that is true, then they're unhappy or are, you know, that's that's what I'm curious about. Because when I think, like, oh, they're, they're on the planet, but the other people don't like it is, like, something that probably the Federation, you know, or Starfleet, you know, wouldn't do. So I'm curious what, like, the reasons are behind it. Do you think do you, do you think, think it could maybe be a, a religious sect that's on the planet associated with the indigenous population, almost deep space nine level where warning of, you know, maybe there, there's a religious element to it. They don't have a lot of power, but they have a lot of influence or something like it's like a specific portion of the population that isn't happy for them to be there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, and maybe maybe the other indigenous people were like, well, we need open trade relations. We're trying to reach into the stars, so they want to give mm -hmm. them land. But then there's people who are vehement. I can never pronounce this word vehemently, vehemently, yeah, vehemently opposed mm -hmm. to to it. Does that sound like a possible third organization? I love that we could use. Yeah, or like they didn't have like the 
archaeology like they, they didn't quite have the resources to like do a really sophisticated like like you know with the attention to detail at the dig site like you needed like somebody who really specialized in that and like all the equipment and everything and they didn't have that so they were like yeah please come in we'd love to see what's here i like this so so far this is really interesting we actually ended up with kind of four divisions so let's picture the potential conflicts as we talk about this colony that our ship gets close to you have this class l planet the humanoids of course um we're not ne we're not necessarily declaring them starfleet they could just be federation citizens or non-aligned have to have have brokered a trade deal a technology deal with the people on the planet um there's this religious sect that actually doesn't really like having people who are outside there, but they do need them. And so there could be characters who are eager the first chance they get to get them off the planet. So there could be this, that Kai Opaka, not Kai Opaka, sorry, Kai Win kind of um, devil tree going on there. Um, and then we have, of course, the people who are just scientists, archaeologists from different people, from different um, species who, who want this to be a legitimate scientific operation. And that's where Starfleet might actually be more aligned with than anybody else here. Starfleet is more just the archaeologists in this case, um, which is interesting because they won't be, for instance, the constable with the colonist division, their police department basically will not be Starfleet aligned necessarily. Um, so who has the power in making decisions? And when the Oberth class comes by, what do you enforce and who do you protect and how do you negotiate and dip diplomacy, right? Trying to get this colony to be successful. How's that sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, y'all like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I like the I like the um, the parallelism of there being conflict on the ship between the civilians and the Starfleet competing for resources, right? And then at the same time, there's all this conflict on the planet and at the outpost between the the the, the indigenous and the and the visitors, and just just so much conflict potential, which is really good. I think that's a, that's the great DS9 model of uh, shaking things up, right? So it's not just copacetic Starfleet officers being buddies with each other and there's no conflict and you're like struggling to come up with a, a writing you know how do you write conflict into a, a group that is inherently non non-conflict right so th there's so much conflict here this is <laughs> a rich story potential here yeah and i think that the the, uh, the question has to be like what what would be the enticement for your ship to constantly be at the colony the colony has to be somehow more convenient to get to for supplies and resources and repairs than the starbase so, so because you're reaching out from the star base that, that my role as a GM would make it so that, yeah, you got to go to the colony sometimes for certain things, maybe even transporting people from the star base to the colony, um, things like that. Any ideas, Al, that you would think with that or Jim, you're all doing the looking up to the left, which means you're all in the uh, imagination space. <laughs> I love that. I love um, when my students do that in the class. Wow. I'm like, I got them. I got them. You got them. Yeah. Um, you see, see, this is now. This is where I feel like there needs to be some sort of a connection between what's going on on the planet and one of the characters, right? This is this is where you want to get the character thing. It's not just Starfleet saying, "Oh, you got to be here," because, like, I mean, really, honestly, why is this Oberth class ship assigned to this planet? Um, and it's not just because, oh, you need to be, because, like, we're here to do scientific. We're we're here to do engineering research on this new platform. Which is basically our, our ship is basically now a new computer system that we're testing the L cars and the deep space uh, surveillance stuff and whatever else we decide to cram into it. Um, I was thinking, once, I, I, I thought about. Let me just interrupt for a second because I think I had mentioned it. We had talked a little about. I, I love strange spatial anomalies with strange names because you mm -hmm. never forget them. So I had created a spatial anomaly called Ten Black Days, and 
I pictured it as this, and I'm hoping that Al could maybe connect his character to it somehow, why it has to be on this planet. But imagine if there's a nebula not too far from the planet. It has an arm of dark matter. And when it passes by every so often periodically, they get 10 days of pitch darkness. No photonic particles come through whatsoever. And, and there's power. Maybe the particles can be used for something. And to some, it's a religious experience. And it's also heavy on the archaeology and evident there. This 10 black days anomaly, you know, so so mm -hmm. maybe we could connect with something like that. Al, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that if, um, if we're trying to learn more about this oscillating arm of dark matter um, and how it connects, uh, maybe uh, maybe when they uncovered this uh, this dig site, they found that these ancients uh, either worshipped that arm or came from that arm. Uh, and then you can connect in some way there and you can have a scientist who is an archaeologist that also works on the ship while gathering data about the arm to try to find the connection between the two. And, and maybe, uh, you, again, whatever engineering thing you're working on, has some sort of kind of maybe some of the particles do something to an engine or some sort of, you know, those are things we could flesh out. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, I think an end. Yeah. I think that perhaps the scientist could also be working with an engineer um, that is doing something like that. Uh, I think that we would have to definitely delineate the two. Cause I think you you're talking about two separate stories here, um, but to merge them together would be quite interesting yeah. um, to see these two characters working together. Yeah. Um, Jim, is that what you were thinking about with the colony connection? or? Well, yeah, I, would, I mean, I was thinking about that, but then just listening to you talk through this, like, I, I like the idea of the 10 black, 10 black days or 10 black nights, whatever you call it. And like, like just the storyteller in me said, like, that's our pilot episode. Like that, that whole weird anomaly with the black matter coming in, that's the inciting incident. Like we, we do, we do the setup. Oh, we're this podunky little Oberth class ship assigned to this out of middle of nowhere outpost to do our science. It's like okay, fine. But then, you know, end of Act One, this black matter hits us. Like what the heck was that? And then that sparks off the entire storyline. Now we've got all this stuff to deal with, and and it turns out that we're the ship uniquely situated to to deal with it because we've got the new sensor packages. We've got the new computer system. We're the, we're the only ship in the quadrant uh, capable of even analyzing what this stuff is. We were loaded with super smart scientists and engineers and, and, and then all of a sudden we're thrust into this situation. So like, like just from the storytelling standpoint, like it's, it's one thing if we want to have this, all this stuff already be existing and then, and then we're just into it or all this stuff happens in that first episode and uh, and then we're off and running with the with the uh, with the story and all that cool interesting stuff that happens in like caretaker or emissary or even encounter at farpoint like that's happening right now in the first episode and and that's where i wanted to like kind of pause for a second cuz like like if that's where you were going with it michael maybe we should stop um this angle of it and like not throw too many ideas out there because it, that, I mean, that's on you. Yeah. Probably. Well, just, so you know, what I do, what I do based off all your characters, for yeah. instance, is I take a, uh, and, and based off the colony in the world, we've just built, I usually have it where each different uh, organization has one piece of the puzzle yeah. and only working together. Cause Star Trek is a collaborative game yeah. that it kind of comes together. So, you know, if all of a sudden the archeologists unveil something, it interacts 
boom, with dark matter up in space and you are all sent to investigate. So I like to create, you know, where the characters are, are all thrown in somehow and yeah. only a Tapella has the skills to navigate through this, <laughs> you know, the arm. Oh, through the black matter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, because, and, and you know, L-Cars has something to do, with, you know, I just, I'll mm -hmm. create the elements where everything matters um, yeah. so that your characters shine. Okay. Yeah, I, like, I like it, yeah. Okay, so so far, let's let's just do a check real quick. Ella, how are you feeling about this so far? Any other ideas popping off your brain? Good. I'm just excited, you know? I'm like, oh, it's like a mystery. I can't wait to, like, figure it out. I'm excited to um, dig more into, like, how our characters interact and sort of what they end up doing, you know? It's like, I because it's like, for me, it's like, oh, so I have, like, diplomacy down as a focus because to probably, like, you know, was raised on a frontier colony. So I think that's super interesting. But, yeah, like you said, then the, like, piloting angle through like the black matter that's also really interesting yeah i'm excited i don't know if i have any more ideas i feel like maybe tomorrow i'll have like a million ideas and right now i'm just stoked i i know it's good and i really love from an instant point of view it's the best way to play i mean for an instant it's like being new to it i actually suggest that new players and we had talked about this last time don't step into the lead role necessarily you know a major senior staff role mm -hmm. but this ship is a test bed ship and maybe it wasn't highly sought after because it was on the it's not in the limelight of the federation and starfleet and so this was your first assignment people think it's not a big deal but actually it's going to end up making you one of the best pilots ever you know um in, yeah. a, new, in a new way so i like i like that's real to me very um trek possible um al's character i i as he keeps you know twisting his hair you know his beard hair as he thinks <laughs> his, his plot i'm eager to see what engineering angle you're going to come out as a kelpian um and and develop that character and then jim i think you actually need to make the decision if you're going to be the captain or not mm -hmm. I, uh, I was actually taking some notes all throughout this whole thing. And um, I, um, and of course, I don't, obviously I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I like the idea of the captain being old and grizzled and connected to the ship. And probably just because it's the conceit of the, of the era, probably a human, maybe a Vulcan. Um, um, just, you know, cause, uh, cause it was, Starfleet was very heavily human uh, focused on the, in the original series. Uh, which is unfortunate, like, and we can certainly change that, right? It doesn't have to be a human male; it can be a human female; it can be, you know, whatever. Um, but I like the idea of the of them being an old, grizzled person connected to the ship, not willing to give up, ready to keep going for one more. But then the XO is this young hotshot, not not a hotshot, but a younger officer, certainly on the upward track, mm -hmm. a little bitter about being put on this ship, but has the technical know-how to to help navigate this new Elcar system and everything. And so I, I think I'm leaning more toward XO now because the, okay. I think there's some story potential there, but also because we could make the captain a supporting character if we wanted to and kind of rotate that role. If we all wanted the opportunity to do some heavy duty negotiation with the denizens on the planet or whatever other stuff is going on. So yeah, um, I like I I'm, yeah, I'm leaning toward XO, I think. Yeah. And I like the idea of the NPC ready to yeah. ready for retirement and being a little risk averse whereas your character would be like no we've got to take this risk captain and they're trying to just to get to retirement we talked about that before <laughs> yeah. So yeah i yeah. i think i think uh, i i like female captains so i think i'm gonna i probably would lean toward a female human captain mm -hmm. and i don't know why somehow um meryl street from devil wears prada is the first <laughs> personality oh, <okay>. that, <laughs> that pops in my brain um so so they're kind of you know they've done their bit for king and country 
they want to get to their uh, homestead in Carmel, California, that they, mm-hmm. you know, they've been waiting to get back there, you know, something like that. And yet they get involved in this final mission. They, 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 it was supposed to be easy and it doesn't end up easy. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would be really cool. So here's a question for everybody, uh, not to jump in, Michael, but just because I'm because I'm thinking this through, mm-hmm. like um, whatever happens in that pilot episode, I, I think one of the questions that we have to, if not answer, at least address is like after all that inciting, all that initial stuff happens and we're presented with our new reality, like why wouldn't Starfleet send a more capable ship? to to take kind of take over knowing what they know about us and our old clunker and uh the the mission that we're on like there, there's got to be something that happens whether it's a character thing ideally it's a character thing um but there's got to be something that goes on either with the the science angle or the engineering angle or the personalities involved that that points at us and says this is the ship for this for this series and for this mission there's there's got to be a reason that we're here and involved in that, and Starfleet wouldn't just walk in and say, "Oh no, no, get out of here." <laughs> we're, yeah, I think we're, the, we're gonna put the Enterprise on this. I think to me, the answer lies with Al's character, in that uh-huh. they're going to be so intricately involved with the solution or the discovery mm-hmm. that that the one thing we may ask Al's character to do is, by the end, say, "No, I need to work with this crew, and we need to create impetus as to why." As a game master, I'm going to design why this crew is the only one he'll work with, and he's the linchpin to this. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where I probably would go with that. Yeah, or or maybe the that and maybe the dark matter interacts with our new technology somehow, and it's like, well, there's no other ship in the there's no other ship in the fleet that is infused with dark matter, techno babble, whatever's, um, and and we are literally the only ship that can do this. Yeah. I don't know. No, I like this. And, and But you can add multiple layers where maybe because yeah. of that experience, which to the religious sect is a religious experience, you're the only ship they're willing to work with. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I was going to be like, maybe we have a better relationship, a better relationship with that calling. Not fantastic, but like they don't know anybody else. They only know us. They like begrudgingly allow us to land and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, good. I like that. That'll make definitely make it say it makes sense. Everyone, all the viewers of this show at the end have to be like, dang, they're stuck. They got to be there. <laughs> they're the only ones who could do it. I love that. All right. All right. I got it. You ready? Okay. Yeah, I think I, okay. So this this frontier colony is doing expansion. There's this been this recent archaeological dig. There's this faction there on the planet who think that um, you know we need to be careful because these ancient people. Um, there's a mythology around them, and they came during the ten dark ten dark nights or whatever, right? Or uh, ten black nights, uh, and. I like the juxtaposition of saying 10 black days. It just oh, 10 like- black days. Sorry. Yes. I like that. Um, uh, and so that all happens. Right. And now the 10 black days are happening and then our ship comes out of it. And maybe these people think that we are representatives, you know, it, of these ancients, you know, or something like that. So like we're on the other side of this nebula trying to get through to investigate it for some some way and the first thing that these this colony sees is us like coming from uh the prophecy fulfilled or something like that i just just an idea or no one's ever been able to like get through it before and then we come with our it's like the 10 black days just happened to coincide with one of our like supply drops or something and we just are like this is weird but like we'll just fly right through 
Yeah, I like that. I actually really like it. All, all that can work. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. all of that can work that makes this ship stand out as, as special. And it's, and it's the collaboration of these particular characters mm-hmm. that make it possible. So as a game master, now I go into designing mission module with these <laughs> points and, and yeah. giving a chance for each one of your characters to shine in that first episode, that first establishing mm-hmm. episode as to why you all have to patrol that area of space. And it's episodic. So even if the next episode has nothing to do with 10 Black Days, you know, it'll still be, this is why you're in that region of space, exploring more and therefore running across all these different adventures. Oh, that's a great session 0.5. I dig it, man. I, 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 all the ideas are sparking, sparking in my head. I don't want to go on all night about right. this. But, so uh, here's what we're going to we'll do. Take, we'll take it offline. Right. Well, uh, I'm going to make uh, I'm going to make a couple assignments here, and the <laughs> offline homework. What? Yeah, yeah homework. <laughs> I'm going to make a couple assignments here um, for fun for offline because we're going to keep doing this offline. And and just so everyone who's watching this knows, we we forgot about all of you. We were so into this. I forgot we had an audience. But but. Um, my what we're going to do next is actually show how to set up a discord channel for a game like this because we're going to play by discord um but by that time i'm going to give some homework so that we i can do some pre-work on setting it up um i'm going to ask ella what i'm going to ask you to do is actually design the indigenous population they don't have to be humanoid it's a class of they don't even have to look like human they can look like fungus if you want i don't care um but i'm going to ask you actually just to give some basic ideas and start chatting and designing this and the religious sect what it looks like in doing that you kind of have to design what the archaeology looks like too as it's uncovered oh cool okay. so just throw some ideas out there and don't worry there's there you don't have to get it down to detail you can start with some generalizations and then the show will explore it as we get deeper and deeper into the archaeology does that sound good yeah that's a great homework assignment right okay and you, and you get to name them and everything and kind of design them sometimes you can <laughs> yeah. even go on google and type in um, concept art aliens to get some ideas you may even say yeah hey, oh, this is them and we could use that concept art um if you want to do that okay cool oh, cool assignment that's awesome yeah all right good I'm then going to give Al the assignment of um, really flesh out what your engineer is doing and how crucial it is um, and, and throw out some ideas about how it correlates with the nebula, that arm of the nebula, that dark matter arm that spirals out. And, and you know, picture like if you're on the planet, you look up and there's just if you're on that particular colony planet, you just see this black tendril going for light years and who knows why, you know? So, so maybe give us some ideas about your engineering project. Does that sound good? Yeah. yeah so we really need you to flesh out your character um, for that. Why, why he has to be on this ship. All right, Jim, you get the fun idea of designing that colony. <laughs> so I want to know, oh, okay. I want to know, you know, who um, are the archeologists? Who do they represent? I wanna know what's the structure of the colony? How many domes do they have? What's the population? Are, you know, how many Starfleet uh, uniforms do we see in comparison to locals? Is it 10%, 20%, 30%? You know, uh, where do people eat? Where do people sleep? Um, what happens if the dome breaks? You know, just that kind of stuff. Just give us some functionality of the colony, and, including with, um, when the ship comes on, if we're not transporting down, do we take shuttles down? What does that look like? Just that kind of stuff. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely. 
Okay, cool. In doing that, you'll probably have to work in conjunction with Ella a little bit to planet build. So what's the, you know, what's the environment of the planet? What are storms look like? How mm -hmm. it's not a 24 hour day because it's an alien planet. Is this 50 hour day? Is it a 12 hour day? Right? What's the rotation on that? So, mm -hmm. so that helps me story build on that. Yeah, um, yeah. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to build that ship. And I'm going to bug you all until we figure out what the name of the ship is and the shuttles. And um, I'll do the deck plans and kind of get an idea of what it looks like. And I'll start creating a book of basic NPCs. I'm not going to do a lot of work because I actually like my players to select and pick their NPCs. But I'm going to create some of those bridge positions and get agreement with you on those. How does that sound? That sounds great. Does that sound good? All right. Oh, I'm sure hopefully if you're watching this, you, you want to join this ship because I think we're going to have an awesome crew with an awesome, a very, very awesome story. Um, and we'll be picking this up again when we do our first disc tour through the Discord and kind of show you all how we play on Discord. Um, it's on continuing mission. If you want to preview, just type in Discord and you'll see the instructions on how to set it up. But if you're like me, I'm a visual learner and I love watching it done because I can take off with it. All right, final thoughts, final feelings. Let's start with Al. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, adventure in this era because I don't think it's an era I'm not super familiar with. Um, so it's going to lead for me to me doing some more research on technologies and things like that. Um, and I, I think that's going to be uh, a good for me, uh, especially as a freelancer. Good. Yeah. And I, I have to forgot everyone has to finish off their character sheets too. Now that we've heard kind of the element, this is your time to put the polish on those. Ella, what's your final thoughts about this? Um, I think it's gonna be super fun. I'm really excited about my homework assignment. I have like three completely different ideas already. I feel like I'm going to be running it through. Like when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to be laying there like, okay, what is it? What is it going to look like imagining stuff? So that's awesome. But yeah. I'm hey, just, I want to yeah, say it's your alien um, species to design. They could have three different looks, three. I mean, get super creative. Don't restrict yourself. If this indigenous, uh, if this planet has three indigenous evolved species that are sentient, that's kind of cool too, right? So think about that. Don't, don't have to stick to a budget. No, you don't. Our CGI budget is off the charts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, Jim, your final thoughts and you want to take us out? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, I just love riffing on stuff like this with, with, like-minded people i mean clearly we all had we all made connections and we were all thinking the same thing and that that tells me that's that's a good that's good um that's good chemistry right and that's good simpatico energy stuff and uh, the fact that we were all kind of like thinking on the same routes on a lot of this stuff is just really encouraging you just build that and go run with it and do yes and all day long and we'll be we'll be just fine um so no i'm excited about the ideas I've never really explored the, the lost era. Like the, this is late movie era heading into next gen. There's that gap of, uh, I don't know what, 60 years in canon that just isn't really explored. Uh, I'm gonna have to go dig up some of my novels because there's uh, six or seven novels set in the lost era that cover um, Harriman and uh, the Enterprise C and the Enterprise, you know, all that, like that, that span of time, they, they didn't completely bridge it, but they put some good stories in there. So I'm going to have to do some uh, fiction reading here just to catch up on the, on the era. Yeah. And, and I want to uh, point out, point out yeah. to that fact though, one of the reasons I'm designing this game so far out is because Ella is a new player who might not be familiar with that. And so I want it so that, you know, the, I, you know, our conceit makes us think everyone knows Kirk. And I think the Federation is so big. There's some people who are like, Captain who? 
And so I like having a Captain Who game. So feel free if this is Captain Who, not to fill the year. Captain by that, Ella. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. And plus, I'm, I'm also excited, you know, selfishly, that I get to do a little bit of world building on the uh, Ephrosians and uh, and come up with something interesting there that I can build into my character's backstory and then see how it connects to, you know, everybody else. Exactly. All right, everyone. This was an amazing continuing conversation session mm-hmm. 0.5. And I uh, want to thank everybody. Um, I, I didn't look up any game stores. So so does anybody want to do a shout out to their favorite game store? Al, do you have? Al, Al. Actually, yeah, first we're going to shout out your favorite game store, and then Ella, you're going to drop the name of that podcast, okay? So Al, Al you go first. Uh, just a shout out to Jetpack Comics and Games up here in, uh, in New Hampshire. They're the best of the best. They are, they are. Someone works there right now, and they're awesome, I hear. <laughs> all right, and Ella, please drop all the information about the podcast to sign us out. Uh, I do a podcast called Generations Geek with my dad, where we talk about anything and everything geeky. Um, Coming up, uh, I think any day now, probably this week, we'll have a recap of my trip to Mission Chicago, uh, which I went to with, uh, I work for Star Trek Unlimited. I work with uh, John Frazier at Star Trek Unlimited. So I went there to help out with that. It was super, super fun. We had a great time. Um, And then I do a Star Trek recap podcast every week uh, called Discoverage. Um, and so every single Thursday we go live at 8 p.m. Central to talk about the episode of Star Trek that day. So awesome. Okay, cool. We have such a cool crew here in real life and in fake life. All right, cool. All right. So everyone will talk to you later. Thank you for watching continuing conversation. I've got listening. I D I C. Oh, Jim, you got that's fine. I was I was gonna I was gonna do a shout out, but it's okay if you want to no do the shout out and close us out. Okay. Um, I want to thank uh a Twitter user. Dungeon Musings, M-U-S-I-N-G-S. His name is Kevin Madison. And the reason I want to thank him is uh, he just got his order of the uh, the Shackleton book, the player guide, the game master guide, and the tricorder set. They all arrived today. And the reason I'm excited is he took a picture. It's not going to show up here very well. Go to Twitter and see if you can find it. But he took a picture of his of all of his swag out there in the bright sunlight <laughs> with it, with his dog looking excited in the background. But these these um these products look so great in the sunlight. It didn't even occur to me. Oh, go take them out into the sunlight. But uh, thanks for your support, Kevin. Thanks for the great picture. Um, I'll flog it all over social media because I'm just so excited that these products are getting out there. Uh, so thanks to the fans and to Kevin for for supporting the game. As always, we wouldn't do this without you. And uh, I'm excited about this game. I'm excited about all of you. And uh, let's let's finish it off there and say, uh, um, uh, Michael Idick, uh, be safe, be well, live long and prosper. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Take care, everyone.